This week on Whatever Wando, I have a challenge for myself. I'm going to create the best NBA team I can, but I can't use anybody on the NBA 75 list. Let's get to it. So this week on Whatever Wando, I wanted to give myself a challenge. And I'm like, what would be a challenge? And I was like, it'd be cool to make my ultimate NBA lineup. But I'm like, I've kind of done something like that before on Pot of Fame. If you haven't listened to it, me and Jim on Pot of Fame, we basically went through and we created our ultimate NBA teams like a snake draft thing. So if you haven't got any time, feel free, go listen to it. It's about three hours long, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, we simulated the whole thing. Uh <laughs> You know, it's it's a whole thing, but it's it was a lot of fun. But I was like, no, I kind of did that, but what if I did something, but I had a twist? And this was my twist. I'm going to make the best NBA team that I can, but it can't have anybody from the NBA 75 list on it. So for those of you who don't know, the NBA 75 list is the, it was the anniversary list. They originally made the NBA 50 list, which was like the 50 greatest players of all time. And then they made, they added, uh, they added to the, made the NBA 75 list. There's more than 75 people on the list. I believe there's 76 or there's maybe 77 technically, but who knows? It's like the big 10, the big 10 calls themselves the big 10, but we have way more than 10 people in it. Um, but I can't take anyone on that list to make this team. So no Michael Jordan, no LeBron, no Magic Johnson, no Larry Bird, no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, no one who's on that list. So if you somehow miss this intro and you only catch this part where it's like, how the hell did he not take Michael Jordan? I can't take anybody on the NBA 75 list. It's a deep team. Dennis Rodman, can't take him. Alonzo Mourning, can't take him. Can't take Shaq. Can't take Kobe. Can't take Charles Barkley. Any of those guys. I basically need to rely on young talent and... Players who just missed the cut. Maybe they were snubbed or they missed for some other reasons. So what I'm going to do is I basically gave myself two of each position and then two bench players. So I'm going to go through each of my position groups. Uh, I'm going to tell you, so I'm going to do two point guards, two you know shooting guards, two small forwards, et cetera, et cetera, and tell you my two people left on the bench. Um, so let's start first with the point guards. So the first point guard that I have chosen is Luka Doncic. Uh, so Luka, Luka Doncic, sorry. So that's so weird. Uh, Luka is the first guy, and I think he just didn't make the team just because he's so young. And so I kind of understand that. He's only been in the league for a few years, but I definitely feel like in... You know, I see they probably won't make another one of these lists, I assume, until they get to the NBA 100 list. I think in, like, five years, it's going to be pretty glaring that he's not on this list. So he was an easy pick for me. Uh, first of all, let's just look at his stats. 
Uh, three-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, 2018-2019 All-Rookie Team, 2018-2019 Rookie of the Year. Um, his points for his career, he averages 26.4 points, 8.5 total rebounds, and 8 assists. He's about 45.7% uh, from the field, uh, a 337 uh, career uh, three-point shooter, and he's about 74% from the line. So, really good player. Um, I also like the fact that he's a big point guard. He's six foot seven, And he's also, like, he's not, like, a skinny dude. He's not, like heavy by any means but he's definitely got some you know he's got some meat on his bones that if he needs to like bully someone in the paint he will it's kind of like one of those it's a very unfair like matchup when you watch um for especially for some teams where it's like all right maybe the point guard is big enough to stay with him but he maybe like can still get bullied inside or if he's big enough, you know, weight-wise to keep up with Luka, he's not, like, fast enough to keep up with him. He is a matchup nightmare. So that's one reason he's on the team. Another reason he's on the team is just how well he's done in the playoffs. If you've seen him, he's made some decent playoff runs with, like, little to no help. And he's also only 22, unless he's had a birthday recently. Like, he's been going to the playoffs with his second-best option being, like, an injured Porzingis. This year, they made it decently far with Jalen Brunson as his only, you know, you know, Jalen Brunson's pretty good. But if that's, like, the second-best player, you know, that's not that great. So he's, you know, had to carry these teams, and he's had some amazing moments, amazing plays. He has that step-back three-pointer in the bubble against the Clippers. He's been great. So he's an easy point guard decision to make for this team. So first point guard off the board for us is Luka. The second player that I'm putting on this team uh, at point guard is Tony Parker. So Tony Parker, six-time All-Star, four-time NBA champion, four-time All-NBA, 2001-2002 All-Rookie team, and he was the 2006-2007 NBA Finals MVP. So, um, his career numbers are not as great as Luca's are so far. 15.5 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, 5.6 assists, which is a little bit less than I thought it would be. But he's about 50% from the field. Uh, he shoots about 75% from the free throw line. And he has an amazing win share of 111. Like, he definitely is in, you know, the, you know, He's one of the higher ones, like not in the top like 25 or something, but he's in the top, I think that would put him in like the top 100 maybe, which is pretty good. And if you look at his career, he had a, he had some years when he definitely his speed was back up there where he was averaging 18, 18, 18, 22, you know, 16 points per game. He was That's why he had like he worked so well in the paint which is a little surprising why, like, his assist numbers are so low. He did have a few years where he was in the six, you know, six assists, seven assists, you know, assists per game. But, like, you would think they'd be higher when you're playing with a Hall of Famer like Tim Duncan. You feel like a pick and roll dishing off to Timmy, like, at least, like, three or four times a game would help your numbers. Like, if you look at John Stockton, for example, I got to think John Stockton – there's I gotta assume his assists are at least forty to forty percent to Carmelone. Easy. I'm sure that number could be wrong, but it just feels like it should be higher. 
But I think he would be good, like, off the bench, kind of running a more formal offense. And also, he has that playoff experience. You know, he was an MVP. There's so many years he made the playoffs. Um, and in some of those years, he was killing it. In 07-08, averaged 22.4 points per game. In 08-09, he averaged 28.6 um, so no slouch in the year he won the finals MVP, 28.8 points per game. So once again, good performer in the regular season. Seems like he had a different level in the playoffs because even his assist numbers were in some of these years better. So Tony Parker is the other point guard on my team. Let's move on now to the shooting guards. So, um, once again, this is the last time I'll reiterate it. Uh, you may wonder, now that I'm at shooting guard, why am I not going to say Michael Jordan? I can't take anybody on the NBA 75 list. So he's out of the question. Uh, this is the last time I'll repeat it, though. So we're at the shooting guard position. And I will, disclaimer, um, some of the guys who played shooting guard and small forward both played a lot of the position. So it's kind of interchangeable. So there may be a guy who you're like, why am I not picking him? He might show up in the small forward position. Or maybe you have someone else who you thought I should have picked. If you think I should have picked that person, uh, let me know at, at whatever Wando on Twitter or at whatever underscore Wando on Instagram. Let me know who you would have picked instead of mine because I don't think I'm the end-all, be-all expert in basketball. I wish I was. I'd be on TV and making a lot of money. Uh, but my first shooting guard is the guy who I felt the most angry about not making the uh, NBA uh, 75 list. This was the guy that I was like, whoa, why is he not on the list? And that's Tracy McGrady, T-Mac. Tracy McGrady, first of all, in the Hall of Fame, seven-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ, seven-times All-NBA, 2000-2001 most improved player. In his career... 19.6 points per game, 5.6 total rebounds, 4.4 assists, 43.5% from the field, about 75% from the free throw line. Tracy McGrady was a scoring machine once he got especially to Orlando. In Toronto, it's like I think it was just too much of a log jam with him and his cousin, you know, Vince Carter. So he gets to Orlando and he gets to go to his more natural position because in uh, in Toronto, they have him mostly playing small forward, but he's definitely more of a two. So right when he goes to Orlando, his numbers spike. 26, he goes from in 1999-2000, uh, 15.4 uh, points a game to the next year, 26.8 points, 25.6, 32.1 28 right on the dot. Then he goes to Houston, and he's still putting up numbers. 25.7, 24.4, 24.6, 21.6. And then injuries start to happen. And his numbers dip down, which is why his career average is lower than it probably should be. Um, why he didn't make the NBA 75 list, I don't know. Personally, and there may be some people who will call me out on this, I love Dame, Limmard, Dame Lillard. I would take him off and put Tracy McGrady on that list if we're not taking off like the older players. Like uh, someone 
pointed that out, like, says, like, try to do it without eliminating, like, the guys from way back in the day. So if I'm taking only recent players off the list, I'd probably take off Dame and put Tracy McGrady on that list, because Tracy McGrady was a prolific scorer. I think what is held against him is his lack of playoff success. And that's the only thing that can make me, you know, think why he was left off the all, you know, the NBA 75 list. But he's an easy pick for me, shooting guard. Like, I'm not going through who would be starting on my team, but, like, I'll tell you for sure, Tracy would be. So my first, you know, my first two guard, shooting guard, is Tracy McGrady. Uh, my second one is Clay Thompson. So Clay Thompson was another one that people wondered about. Like, why didn't Clay make the all, you know, the NBA 75 team? For me, the reason I think Clay didn't make the team is just like when the NBA 75 list is coming out, when they're probably arguing who should make on the uh, who should be on the list, who shouldn't be. That's when basically like we were missing Clay like play for like basically like three years. But in those years that Clay was healthy, he has amazing numbers. Uh, like 19.5 points per game, 3.5 total rebounds. 2.3 assists, 40 about 46% from the field, 42% from three. He's an 85% free throw shooter. And then I think the one thing that is overlooked in Clay is he's a pretty good defender. I don't know how his numbers are going to be now, now that he's come off first an ACL, then Achilles tear. But he was, out of that backcourt between him and Steph, he was the much better defender. So if there was any chance, like, maybe, you know, both, you know, the point guard and the shooting guard and the other team were even close enough in size where they could switch, they wanted Clay on that guy because Clay was a much better on-ball defender. Um, and then, like, he's had also these amazing games where he's just put up absurd numbers. You know, everyone's heard of, like, the third quarter game where he put up, I think it was, like, 35 points in, like, the third quarter. I could be wrong on that exact number. He's, you know, when he gets hot... You know, him and Steph are, you know, you know, just amazing. It's It feels like you're watching, like, someone in real life NBA Jam. Like, on fire, I don't know how big that basket looks to you. And so, Clay definitely deserves to be on this team. The NBA 75 list, I think the really thing that hurt him, which also hurt a few other people that I'm going to name on this team, is just injuries. I think it's those three missing years um, that really hurt him. Because look at his accolades. He's a five-time All-Star, four-time NBA champ, two-time All-NBA, 2011-2012 All-Rookie team, and he was, a he was on the 2000-2019 uh, All-Defensive team. So he's a, he's a very good player. Um, but I think, yeah, he just missed the cut on the NBA 75 team, I think, just because of injuries. Injuries kind of slowed him down and maybe made people like forget how good Clay is. Um, I will say, I don't think this this playoffs, at least the NBA Finals, didn't really help with that. But I think he's still getting back into a rhythm. He hasn't really played for three years. And then he got dumped into, like, yeah, I think he came back in February. And they just ramped up from there. Like, all right, let's get ready for the playoffs. And uh, so I'll be more curious to see how he does next year. Be like, okay, full training camp, an offseason. How do you look now? Because it felt like at times this year that Clay was just getting back into his rhythm. Um, but I hope he does well, you know, even though like we tend to, and I'm definitely one of those, 
I'll love an up-and-coming team, but then if they establish themselves as being way too good, I'll hate them. I'll be like, oh, I'm sick of this team. I can't dislike Clay. Clay just seems like such a fun guy. I like. He seems like he'd be a really fun athlete to hang out with. So the other shooting guard on this team uh, is Clay Thompson. Now let's move on to the small forwards. So at the small forward position, we also have another really bad omission by the by like the NBA 75 list. Like this is another one that's like when you dive into the numbers, you're like, like, how did this get overlooked? And at small forward, that's Alex English. Alex English career wise, Hall of Famer, eight time all star, three time all NBA, the 1982 1983 scoring champ. Uh, he averaged 21.5 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 3.6 assists. He was 50.7% from the field. He was an 83.2 field goal uh, uh, free throw shooter. And then look at some of these years in points. So, you know, early career, you know, he's, you know, working through it. Five points, nine points, 16, 16, 14. And then he takes off and it's 21.3, 23.8. and then he's out of the NBA, but he's 37 at that age. How is he not all on, you know, on the team? I I don't understand it. You know, I, I really, I just really don't. He's one that I'm like, okay, this stands out. It's really bad. In the playoffs, he's got amazing numbers. Um, you know, in his first two playoff appearances, they were okay. 13, uh, when he did it, uh, in Milwaukee, 13.4 points per game. Then he goes in his years with Denver, 19.3 points per game in the playoffs. The next time he goes to playoffs, 25.9, then 29, 29 points per game, 32 points per game, 27.3 points per game. 18.7, 24.3, 18.7, 24.3, 26, and then 19.7. He was amazing in the playoffs. So I don't understand how, first of all, I don't understand how he didn't make the NBA 50 team, let alone how he didn't make the NBA 75 team. There was a, This was another person that people were really upset about not making the NBA 75 list, and I agree. So... I'm very happy to have him on my team, but hopefully when the NBA 100 team comes out, they fix this and put Alex English on that team because he definitely deserves to be on it. Uh, amazing small forward. He's going to fit right on this team because he's also fits in great with, I love the theme of just big, long players. He's 6'8", um, lanky. He's like 190 pounds, but as you can see, dude gets buckets. So our first small forward is Alex English. Our second one also comes from Toronto. Uh, well, not really. He played there. And that's Vince Carter. Vince Sanity, Air Canada, so many great things. Uh, Vince Carter, eight-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, uh, 1998-1999 All-Rookie, and that same year he was Rookie of the Year. Uh, career averages, 16.7 points per game. total rebounds, 3.1 assists. Uh, He was about 44% from the field, 37% from three, um, about 80% from the free throw line. 
So great numbers that I think are like a little misleading, but in a way that favors Vince Carter. Vince Carter had a very long career. He started his career at the age of 22. He retired at the age of 43. And see, the bad thing about that is it's kind of like some other players. He plays so long and so more games, but he's not getting as much playing time. So that points per game is, you know, starts to get lower than it probably should. You know, if he retires, let's say he retires in 2014, you know, and you take out those last six years of his career, his points per game is probably maybe in the 20s or the high 19s. But I think people forget, you know, nowadays people who saw the end of his career just forget how good he was. If you look at him when he was, you know, with the Raptors and he played with the Nets. So, like, look at some of these points per game, some of these totals. 18.3, He's hovering always around the 20s. And then, yeah, he gets to, he starts dipping down, but that's when he's in the latter part. Well, for most people's the latter part of his career, he would end up playing, like, like when he's, like, 34, but he would play for nine more years. But his game also completely changed. Um, he started to be more of a three-point shooter, um, and he got, you know, d- pretty decent at it, where, you know, when he was early on in his career, he was not taking a ton of threes, and you saw that number start to go up uh, as he got a little bit older. But dude is probably one of, if not the best in-game dunker in NBA history. It's like him and Sean Kemp, easy one-two. It's just like, what order do you want to put him in? Um, So I think he's overlooked. I think people just remember the end of his career, like when he was going from Orlando, and then he's in Phoenix, and he's in Dallas, and Memphis, Atlanta, and they forget like, oh, like I forget dominant, Toronto and Nets back-to-back NBA Finals Vince Carter and because of that he like didn't uh maybe didn't make the team he's another guy who yeah he could have played shooting guard I could have put him at small forward they have him at both so I'm gonna play him at small forward just because he fits in better there for my team you know we might be a team that switch position switches positions a lot who knows (laughs) but uh yeah my second shooting guard on my team very happy not shooting guard small forward uh, the second small forward I have on my team, very happy to have him, is Vince Carter, who will go along with Alex English. Let's move on to the four position. So our first power forward is Paul Gasol. Paul Gasol was a six-time All-Star, two-time NBA champion, back-to-back NBA champion to be specific, four-time All-NBA 2001-2002 all-rookie team, and he was the rookie of the year that same year. Points per game, 17 on the dot, 9, 9.2 rebounds, 3.2 assists, 50.7% from the field, 75.3% from uh, free throws. Uh, he was about 37% from three points, uh, which he definitely shot more uh, in the later part of his career, um, where a few of those years, he did pretty well, like with the Bulls, one year he averaged, he was about 46% from the three-point line, which is nothing to shake a stick at. Um, I don't know why Paul Gasol is not on the list. Like, power forwards, 
there were a lot of very good new power forwards because going from the NBA 50 list to the NBA 75 list, you kind of saw the birth of the stretch, the stretch four. So not, you no longer just had like the Tim Duncan type. You had Dirk who could, he could work in the paint. He had that amazing one footed fadeaway, but he also could shoot threes on you. So you start to see that switch. And so because of that, you start to see um, some guys who, you know, before would have just been a center being like, all right, you're a little bit more athletic maybe we'll play at the four because also there was just like more and more of like, all right, you're a big guy. You can shoot more. We're going to use you more as a four and then using another guy as a center. Um, like you look at the Detroit Pistons. I'm pretty sure, you know, at center they had Ben Wallace, but I'm pretty sure Rashid Wallace is taller than Ben Wallace, but Rashid, even though Rashid could play like a traditional power forward, he also could play like a stretch four. So, I think there just happened to be a lot of very good power forwards at the time, and maybe they just didn't want to overload at one position. But I think he definitely should have made the team, and I'm happy to take him on this team. Um, You had all those years down in Memphis where he was just carrying that team on his back. He was averaging, like, rookie year, 17.6 points, then 19 points, 17.7, 17.8, 20.4, 20.8. And he always hovered around that, um, you know, high, like his highest would be around like the high 18s. And then the lowest he got in his peak was in like the 17s. So he was a very consistent player. A few years, average double doubles. He was a great passer, a decent amount of blocks. You know, he was averaging 2.1, 1. 1.8, 1.7, 1.7, 2.1. Um, and almost like half a steal a game. Uh, I do think he is an underrated passer. Uh, like I'm also a fan of a big man who can pass. Um, he's, I think he's underrated at that. He was great in the pick and roll. I think he was a great complimentary player and I don't want to reduce him to just say like, Oh, he was just a uh, complimentary player, but I think he was a very good player to be playing with Kobe Bryant. Cause it was like, they could work at the pick and roll, which could allow Kobe to get more of a one-on-one. And if he needed to, he could dump it into Paul. Uh, Paul, basically, in that game seven against uh, the Celtics, uh, that one year where Kobe couldn't make anything game seven, like Paul Gasol, basically, it was him and I think Ron Artest, who was basically just carrying everything. Um, so he's a great power forward. I think he should be on the NBA 100 team. We'll see if he makes it. But right now, he's on my team, and I'm happy as hell to have him. The next power forward I have is Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh is a guy who, it depends on how old you are, what you can remember with Chris Bosh. You might remember him as the third guy on that Heat team, which was fine. But there is a lot of us, like me, who remember him as a dominant force in Toronto. I will be totally honest. I was going into the year of that free agency when all three, him, Dwayne Wade, LeBron were free agents. I just really wanted Chris Bosh because I thought he'd fit in well with Derrick Rose and all that. And I honestly, to this day, think he would have done better with us because I don't think he would have had to change his whole game. Because he became more of a, like, they wanted him taking more threes and being more, like, he needed to be out of the paint so it wasn't clogged up for LeBron or D-Wade. Which I think, 
that did help the team, but I felt like it hurt Bosch's numbers. So career-wise, Chris Bosch, first of all, 6'11", so he's a big guy. If we really need him to, we could play him at, you know, at center. 19.2 points per game, 8.5 uh, total rebounds, 2 assists, 49.4% uh, from the field. He was about 33% from the uh, from the three-point line, 79.9% from the free th- uh, from the free throw line. But look at these points. So these are his years in Toronto. So uh, 11.5 as a rookie, then 16.8, then 22.5, 22.6, 22.3, and then 24 on the dot. It never gets like close to that again when he goes to Miami because now he's the third option. You know, 18.7 his first year, then 18, 16.6, 16.2. Um, he gets 21.1 uh, in 2014, 2015. Uh, that was the league shortened year. And I think his numbers were so high. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that year, like, D Wade had injury issues. Like, that's, like, when his knee, like, you know, his, because he's got a bad knee because of he had his meniscus, like, removed when he was in college. I think it was, like, really giving them issues, so he had to be the number two. And you saw, like, oh, if he needs to be number two, he can do it. But the other times it was kind of like, you know, hey, there's Batman and Robin, and then, like, you know, Chris Bosh is Alfred, but people forget that Alfred in the comic books is a badass, and I think Chris Bosh is an amazing player. I'll take that Toronto error, Chris Bosh. Um, and then also, we don't know what the end of his career would have been because he had to retire because of blood clots. So, you know, we we never you know we never know. I I kind of I'm I am curious what he would have done on those Miami teams without uh, either LeBron or D Wade. I am curious because you know when he retired, he was only thirty one technically 32 he still definitely could have had a few like really good years left um but i am taking him putting him on this team power forward not looking back at all so my power forwards are paul gasol and chris bosh let's move to the man in the middle at the five position our first choice is a current nba player he is also the reigning two-time MVP, and that's Nikola Jokic. So there are some people who are mad that he won the MVP this year. They thought maybe it should have gone to Embiid. Um, there's always just like you could always give it to Giannis if you're not sure. Um, I don't mind it going to you know Jokic, and there was a lot of people like, look how bad they did in the playoffs. Who else was on that team? Jamal Murray, hurt. Michael Porter Jr., hurt. Who else is on that team? The fact that they made the playoffs and were even slightly competitive, even though a few of those games they got blown out, that's because of him. One dude. So you got to get props where it's due. Four-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, 25-2016 All-Rookie, and two-time back-to-back MVP. Can't take that away from him. Uh, points, I'm going to this year just talk about last year's points. 27.1 points per game, 13.8 total rebounds, 7.9 assists, 48.3% from the field, 33% from three, not that great, 81% from the free throw line. His career numbers, which are only going to go up, 19.7 points per game, 
10.4 rebounds, 6.2 assists, 54.2% from the field. Uh, He has a slightly higher career. He's about 34.5% from three and 83% from the free throw line. He is an amazing player. Uh, The thing I love about him is you can run the offense through him, and not just as a get in the paint. It's as he could take it up, he can distribute. Um, I love that because there's so many different options it gives you. It's like, all right, if he wants to beat you off the dribble, like he's good enough, he can beat you off the dribble. If you're gonna set up a play, he's gonna write. He's gonna make the right decision. Uh, like, all right, hey, I know the ball's got to go here. This is our best option to do. And then worst comes the worst. If you need him to shoot, he's not terrible from three. You know, like his best three point percentage year, he was almost forty percent. So you got to give him that. Um, defensively. Uh, you know, he's averaged about like one or more steals per game, um, a little under a block per game, but like, look at the, the, these, these numbers just jumped and it was all of a sudden like he was, it was just so interesting when he came in the league, he was kind of like this weird, he was like this big guy who kind of had like baby fat on him. And then I think it was when the pandemic hit all of a sudden, like he came back and everyone's like, he's really skinny now. Um, so you look, he goes 10 points, then 16.7 points, 18.5 points, 20.1, 19.9. And the last two years, 26.4 and then 27.1. Um, and this year it was all on him. You know, he lost Jamal Murray was lost for the entire season when he's tore, he tore his ACL in the playoffs last year. I think it was in the playoffs. It was like right before the playoffs started. And then, uh, Michael Porter, basically just like his back, which has always been an issue, which is kind of flaring up and, you know, people are worried about him, but Jokic still led them to the playoffs in a very competitive Western conference with, you know, nobodies on that team. And I don't mean nobodies, but just mean like comparable, you know, like with some of these other teams in the West, you can name like a few of their other starting players for me, right off the top of my head. I'm trying to think who else was on that Denver team. Like, I think Aaron Gordon was there. It's all I can think about who else played on that team. So Jokic is our man in the middle. I think he'll make the NBA 100 team. It would kind of blow my mind if a two-time MVP wasn't on the team, but weirder things have happened. But, you know, for right now, it's to our benefit, so we're going to take him. Our next center is going to be Dwight Howard. And he is another guy who the you know the second half of career his career has painted him in a light that I think is unfair because if you look at the peak career of Dwight Howard he was a for sure Hall of Famer which you know I think he is a for sure Hall of Famer he's gonna get in um because well listen to his career numbers but let me break down some other stats for you to understand how good Dwight Howard is uh, so 15.7 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, 1.3 assists. He's 58.7% from the field. Free throws are very bad, 56.7. Uh, great win share of 141.7. Uh, eight-time All-Star, five-time uh, rebound champion, two-time block champion, 2020 NBA champion, eight-time All-NBA 2005, uh, 2004-2005 all-rookie team, five-time all-defensive, and three-time defensive player of the year. So, 
what happened really with Dwight Howard is once he left Orlando, he just kept on getting into worse and worse situations for him. And then I just feel like he wasn't utilized as correctly as he was because he wasn't the focal point of the offense anymore. And also, if we're going to be honest, he never really developed an amazing post game. I know there was people who were brought in, like I believe Hakeem Olajuwon came in to show him some moves. I think Patrick Ewing did because I think he was part of the coaching staff down there in Orlando. But he never developed like an amazing post offense, which I think could have put him in like another stratosphere. But some of these years, uh, 20.7 points per game, 20.6, and now you start to see the switch from he's not starting anymore. So those numbers are way down. And then, but like, look at defensively even. 1.7 blocks, 1.4, 1.9, 2.1, 2.9, 2.8, 2.4. Steals, he's averaging a steal or more per game. Rebounds, 14.2 per game. Thir- uh, 13.8, 13.2, 14.1, 14.5, 12.4. Uh, f- like, field goal percentage, one, like, multiple years, 52%. Uh, like, and this is, so... Field goal percentage, 52%, 52%, 60%, 59.9%, 57.2%, 61.2%. He knew where his bread was buttered. He wasn't a guy who, except in blowouts, was shooting threes. So he shot. He was a very effective scorer in the range that he was. The problem is he kind of becomes a liability um, at the end of games because he can't shoot free throws. And then there's also, he kind of just got, like, a bad reputation, like, because basically people blamed him for, like, Stan Van Gundy getting fired. But why are we pretending that Stan Van Gundy is, like, an amazing coach? Like, what has he really ever done? I think he, as Stan Van Gundy has one NBA title, I believe. I think Stan Van Gundy, like, wasn't he the coach of, I think, the, I think he was the coach of that Heat team, that uh, won the NBA Finals, but besides that, I don't think he's done anything. And I might be wrong. I don't know why I think that he was. I think he won that title there. Like I'm right now, I'm just you know, I am just workshopping with you. I don't know, but like he ne- he's never like everyone gave like Dwight Howard such a hard time. Like oh, he's a coach killer. It's not like he's been playing for anyone amazing. Um, I think the other thing that kind of hurts him legacy wise is when he was traded to the Lakers. It was like that offseason where the Lakers got, uh, it was Kobe, Dwight, and Steve Nash. They're like, all right, let's just back it up. Another title's coming. And then basically, like, Kobe basically called him soft, like, the entire time. And, like, treat him like shit. Because um, Kobe expects a certain things out of you. I'm not saying that he's wrong, but I'm also not saying it's fair. Because uh, also, Steve Nash had, like, back issues the entire time. So I think that kind of hurts his legacy, like we're in some people's eyes, but he should have been on that NBA 75 list. He's another one that's like, okay, I know in recent years he's not amazing, but like at the peak of his career, he was the best or if not easy top two or three centers in the league. So I will easily take him as my other center. So my two centers are Nikola Jokic and Dwight Howard. Let's move on to my two bench players. 
So before I name my two bench players, I just want to come back to this point. Uh, I was talking about Stan Van Gundy, and people gave, uh, you know, Dwight crap for, you know, saying that he was the one who was going to get him fired. Uh, Stan Van Gundy, confirming, never won an NBA title. What he did was, I now I kind of remembered it, is that he resigned like midway through the 2005 year, and then Pat Riley took over, and then they won that NBA title when it was Dwayne Wade and Shaq. So, like, I guess you can give him, like, half a title. But, yeah, he was never someone that you're like, oh, you know, he's just an amazing coach. It's like, no, dude, like, he was fine. But let's not, like, Dwight Howard didn't get Phil Jackson fired. He, you know, so he didn't get, you know, Popovich, Popovich fired. So, whatever, that's besides the point. Let's talk about our two bench players. Uh, and so these guys are going to get a lot of playing time on my team, just like everyone else. Um, but I have to have some people who are designated as bench players just because I need to get to 12. And so my first choice is Penny Hardaway. So Penny Hardaway fits into my team. Uh, first of all, he's six, seven as a point guard. I love that. I love tall point guards. I always have just because they're just a defensive mismatch. He was a four-time all-star, three-time all-NBA, 1993, 1994, all-rookie team. Um, his points, 15.2 points per game, 4.5 total rebounds, five assists, 45.8% from the field, 77.4% from the free throw line. So very good, solid numbers. A few of these years really standing out. You know, he had, you know, one year, 20.9, 20 21.7, 20.5, um, so really good years points. Uh, he played well with a dominant big man in Shaq in the playoffs. He definitely stepped up in 1995, 1996 through, this is 12 games. So this is not a small sample size. He averaged 23.3 points per game in 1996, 1997 in five games. He averaged 31 points exactly. So in the playoffs, he definitely showed out. The problem for Penny Hardaway is injuries. Basically, he just couldn't stay healthy, and that really hurt him as a player. Like, he just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, he had a lot of ankle issues, unfortunately, and that really slowed down his career. And, like, it seems to be like that's a thing that's ha happened to multiple people who got brought down to Orlando. You got him, Grant Hill had ankle issues. Maybe it's something in the court down there. Who knows? But... I think he's going to be great off the bench. You know, maybe uh, if I'm running into a team who is, you know, a little bit bigger. So maybe instead of playing Tony Parker, uh, I'm going to play, you know, Anthony Hardaway, you know, off the bench. I think that's going to be great because him and Luca are definitely two bigger point guards that are going to make things hard for the opposing team. So first bench player is Anthony Hardaway. The next bench player I have is an iconic player in the NBA, and that is Dikembe Mutombo. I think for most recent generations, people just remember him. Uh, they think about him for the Geico commercial. The dude's a Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star, two-time uh, rebound champion, three-time block champion, uh, three-time All-NBA, 1991-92 All-Rookie Team, nine times All-Defensive, four-time Defensive Player of the Year. Points per game, 9.8, 10.3 total rebounds, one assist, 51% from uh, the field. He was 68% from the free throw line. Um, and he has 0% from the, the three-point line because he didn't take any. 
It doesn't even show him taking any in his entire career. I guarantee you he probably has. Now they ca- they has its own category. They call it a heave. But uh, maybe he took one of those. But yeah, he knew where he's supposed to be. Like he knew he wasn't a three-point shooter. His offensive touch, you know, wasn't terrible. Rookie year, he averaged 16.6. Then he had 13.8, 12.0. But where he made his living is on the defensive end. 13 rebounds a game, 11.8, 12.5, 11.8, 11.6, 11.4, 12.2, 14.1 blocks, three blocks a game, three and a half blocks, 4.1, list goes on and on. You don't get known for having a signature move, that finger wagging back and forth in your face if you aren't a dominant block artist. And that's what Dikembe Mutombo is. So I'm going to bring him off the bench, and he is going to be a great defensive stopper. If I just, like, all of a sudden I'm getting owned in the paint, Dikembe's coming off that bench, and he's playing. Because I think out of all my centers, he's definitely the best defensive option in his prime. So he is my other bench player. I think he is, you know, of all the people I've named, I think he might be one of the less likely to make the NBA 100 team just because his offensive numbers are not that great. But maybe I could be wrong. You know, Dennis Rodman's in the NBA, you know, 75 list, and his offensive numbers aren't great either. So who knows? But he is a great addition to my team. So let's recap it a little bit. Here is my team is currently constructed with players that are not on the NBA 75 list. At point guard... I have Luka Doncic and Tony Parker and Penny Hardaway, who's coming off, you know, who's also there. Shooting guard, I have Clay Thompson, Tracy McGrady. Small forward, Vince Carter and Alex English. Power forward, I have Paul Gasol and Chris Bosh. And at center, I have Nikola Jokic, Dwight Howard, and Dikembe Mutombo. If you think you have a better team please let me know in the comments on Instagram, and that's at whatever underscore Wando, or let me know on Twitter at at whatever Wando. Uh, Next week, please join us as I dissect who was the greatest pitcher of all time. I'm going to try to end that debate next week in 30 to 40 minutes. We'll see how well it goes. But until then, have a fantastic weekend, and I will see you next week. Thank you.